Welcome to Are You Quizzing Me? I'm Manit Nair with my co-host Aditya Kashyap. This is a quizzing trivia podcast show. Join us as we dive deep into history, science, sport, pop culture and so much more. Let's get quizzing. And we're back for episode number 35 of your favorite quizzing podcast show, Are You Quizzing Me? Well, I'm being a little presumptuous there, but since you're listening and uh, you can't say anything to me right now, I'm going to assume it's your favorite show. Let's start off with the episode with the question that I'm going to ask you, my dear audience, uh, for you to work out by the end of the episode. This is a question that neither Aditya does not know of. This is a fresh question for him as well. And I will be posting the answer, telling you the answer at the end of the episode. The question goes as follows. During the colonial period, when the English traveled to India as workers of the East India Company or as servants of the empire, most of them used to travel alone. This meant that they slowly acquired a taste for Indian food, which they modified to suit their tastes. The coffee houses of India too started modifying Indian dishes for its English customers, Mulligatawny soup being a favorite exam- famous example of this. Later, due to a famous geopolitical and global development, British memesibes also started arriving in India, which meant that Indian food was gradually replaced by regular English roasts and pies at the British table. What geopolitical development brought this change? You have until the end of the episode to guess what the answer is. Answer to this question is, and in the meantime, let's go fulfill a tradition, a long-standing one of Aditya answering his question from the previous episode. So, Aditya, what was your question, and what is your quote-unquote answer? Last episode, we asked a question about which edible item is incorrectly assumed to have been developed by NASA for its space program, when in fact it had already existed before the space program came into existence, and that was Tang. So I asked, what in my made-up history has been wrongly associated with the Indian space program, and in fact has existed long before the space program? And the answer is very obvious. This is going to sound a bit self-centered, but I assure you this is completely accurate in my head. And that is my name. I am not named after the probe that is being sent to the sun. Aditya L1 is not who I am named after. I just want to clarify to any listener here. My name was given to me long before this particular space probe was launched. So in, in case anybody was confused, I hope this clarifies it. Uh, yeah, I guess that counts as an answer. <laughs> Vineet has been struck silent by my absolute genius. It's all right, Vineet. I do have that effect yeah, on you sometimes. That, that, I, I, that, was, that was, you know, equal parts dad joke and equal parts narcissism. I really don't know what to say to that. <laughs> but let's get on with the quizzing. So, Aditya, why don't you start us off with the question this week? All right. Okay. So since you asked us a question about history, which is our audience question, um, I think I might want to ask you something related to that. And this has to do with the 20th century, specifically between the years 1947 and 1965, a specific number of X, and you have to identify X, 
number of X fell from 700 million to a mere 5 million. Let me repeat that. Between the years 1947 and 1965, the number of X fell from 700 million to 5 million. What is X? Okay, from 700 million to 5 million. 700 million is a pretty big number. Not population. India's population was big, but wasn't that big during partition. Or just after partition anyway. I'm going to need a clue. At least, you know, what is this in relation to? Some kind of arrow to point me. So we have started off vague. So let's get a bit more specific. You are actually on the right path. Oh. While it is not India's population, it does have to do with people. I like the way you phrase that. <laughs> okay, so then this would be the population of the British Empire as a whole? Oh, that's a very quick crack. I was hoping keeping this vague will prolong the question, <laughs> but nothing nothing gets beneath bogged down. Yes, this is the number of people under the British rule, uh, British subjects in that era. From 1947, there were a 700 million, a staggering 700 million people under British rule. By 1965, that number was down to 5 million. Interestingly, out of the 5 million, 3 million were living in Hong Kong. So only oh. 2, 2 million of them, which is less than half, were in the UK. Uh, so a huge, huge, huge contraction there. Uh, a quick math shows me that it is a 99.28% reduction. So 99% of British subjects were no longer British subjects after those two decades. Wow. Yeah, talk about downsizing. <laughs> indeed, indeed. If you are worried about losing your job, remember, <laughs> there were people who lost their British subject status. Though I imagine they were mostly on the happier side of <laughs> that loss than regretting it. Yes. Anyways, your question next, Vineet. Okay. So uh, we, we've long been accused of not uh, focusing enough on the arts. So today I have a couple of questions relating to you know arts, literature, culture, and pop culture. This is technically not related to it, but yes, it's still art adjacent. Canadian singer-songwriter Abel McConnell-Tasfey used YouTube to his advantage and gained initial exposure by uploading anonymously and using stage names. His music has been characterized as new wave, dream pop and dance. And this unique approach to music earned him consistent acclaim since his debut in 2009. And this includes many superlative records as well. He's also dabbled in other artistic ventures like acting and he's also received nominations for an Oscar and Emmy as well as winning Grammy Awards, Latin Grammy Awards and Juno Awards. Right. Hmm. That seems like it should be somebody I would know. It is somebody you know. I'm going to ask you for a specific clue. Roughly how old is this person? I would say is 33 years old. It's not Justin Bieber, right? <laughs> no, it's not Justin Bieber. No, so the moment you hear Canadian and yeah. uh, YouTube, I knew you'd go to that. But no, it's not Justin Bieber. Frankly, I would say that he is an artist far superior to Justin Bieber. He is one of my, uh, of the current crop of uh, you know musicians, he's one of my favorites. I'll give you uh, another hint. This is a very indirect hint, but I first... And there's a very indulgent clue, so bear with me. I first heard of heard his music when Tom Cruise performed one of his hit songs, 
lip-sync to, to one of his hit songs on the Jimmy Fallon show. I know what you're talking about. The moment you said Tom Cruise, I was thinking of the same video. <laughs> uh, I can't feel my face when I'm with you, but I yes. love it. Uh, yes. Who's the, who's the singer though? Is it The Weeknd? <laughs> yes, it is The Weeknd. Right. Uh, interesting, interesting. Yeah, so he was born, uh, you know, Abel Makonen Tasfaye. That's his actual name. The Weeknd obviously is his stage name. No one is actually ever named The Weeknd. And the superlative record that I'm talking about, do you know what record he holds? I mean, like, this is like a massive, massive record. Most streams on Spotify. Yes. So, Blinding Lights. Blinding Lights is the most true. It's a great song. One of my favorites of the past 10-15 years. It topped the Billboard Hot 100 for four weeks. Then became the song with most weeks spent in the top five and top ten. As well as the first song to hold a spot in the top ten on the chart for an entire year. Topped record charts in the UK and 36 other countries. In On November 23rd, 2021, it was ranked as the greatest Hot 100 song in Billboard history. And in, on December 20, 31st, 2022, the song overtook Ed Sheeran's Shape of You to become the most streamed song on Spotify. I think that's the only piece of the trivia that I was familiar with because I have also noted that down. Most streamed song on Spotify is Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. Yeah. yeah. Pretty cool. I yeah, like but the song. It's, it's a song. fascinating song. Very well-produced song. It just That's a very good description also. Well-produced because I'll be honest, I'm a music noob. But mm-hmm. uh, so whenever... People who are more aware of music in general would talk about oh production value or production quality of a song. I would not be sure what that means, but I think Blinding Lights is a very good example of a well-produced song. You're right. Yeah, agreed. By the way, do you know which movie he acted in? Oh yeah, that's actually an interesting question. Uh, on... Yeah, he acted as himself. By the way, it was he. He acted in it as himself. It's an A24 mm-hmm. movie. Now that you say it, crime it thriller. Like myself. Must have seen it or at least definitely heard of it, but no, I can't. Yeah, yeah, it was on. It was multiple critics rated as one of the top ten films of twenty nineteen. Oh yes, 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 yes. I feel I haven't watched it though. I've definitely not watched it, but I remember seeing it on multiple lists and thinking I should watch it. What is the name? It's Uncut Gems. Adam Sandler's Uncut Gems. Wait, I have seen Uncut Gems. He's oh yeah, he is in it. Yes, you're right. right, right. (laughs) Weekend is in it. Yeah. Yes, and he's also been nominated for an Academy Award. Uh, the song uh, was from a movie. Do you know which movie it was? Obviously, that's the way you get you know nominated on, on for Academy for an Academy Award if you're a musician. No, I'm not aware of its song. I'm like, okay, the song is called "Earned It." Okay, can okay. you tell me which uh, movie it was from? I would be hard pressed to figure that out myself, but I'm just going to take a wild guess. Uh, Moonlight. Oh, Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Fifty Shades of Grey is an Oscar-nominated film. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah. Didn't know that. That's enough of the weekend. Uh, I mean, like the artist, the weekend, not weekend. So we, <laughs> I look forward to weekends. They're my soul salvation. But yeah, so Aditya, <laughs> uh, hit me with your question. Okay, this is gonna be a very specific trivia, but it's such an interesting piece of trivia that if you know. It blows your mind. Akira Kurosawa, very famous Japanese director, considered one of the finest directors of the 20th century. He released his 28th feature film in 1990. And it marked the first film in 45 years on which he was the sole author of the screenplay. 
it is made up of eight different vignettes and was categorized as magical realism and was according to kurosawa himself inspired by actual dreams that the filmmaker had experienced throughout his life it was this level of integrity that propelled the film into a whole new space so it was considered almost unexpected from kurosawa's filmography and as most of his films are pretty great as well now one of these vignettes was a section titled crows okay. this section of the film follows an aspiring artist who inadvertently enters the world of a painting and ends up meeting vincent van gogh vincent van gogh if you are being fancy who plays vincent van gogh okay can you tell me the name of the movie uh, what this movie was called or particular this anthology i think would be a better term for it what 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 is it called or am i or is that uh, give away no no i think i did mention the name i'll say it again uh, the name of the movie is dreams and the name of okay. the section is crows would i be okay was is this the was it the debut of uh, some actor or something like their first uh, major role that we no it is not this particular person's debut film they'd done a bunch of smaller roles cameos and stuff before that for some reason and with absolutely no uh, nothing to back it up uh, is it vigo mortensen no it's aragon himself no it's not it's not him somebody so this is 1990 somebody who has to be active and somebody who's sensitive enough to play Vincent van Gogh in a Kurosawa movie okay hmm okay i'll need a clue this person is not known for acting oh is he a singer no not a singer either a politician then no from the entertainment okay. space but not an actor from the entertainment space not a singer but an actor oof no i said not an actor not an actor not, yeah but not a singer neither, neither a singer nor an actor okay not an actor not a singer but somebody from the entertainment space it's a very wide field and considering this is an early 90s i no nothing just blank let me mention some of the other stuff that uh, this person has acted in and i'm just seeing this right now and i didn't know <laughs> <Okay>. before <laughs> okay the movie shark tale hugo and then there are a bunch of smaller movies that i don't want to mention and uh, <laughs> has appeared has appeared as himself in some tv shows so let me name those as well entourage 30 rock curb your enthusiasm these famous tv shows i've not been a famous fan i'm not uh, a fan of entourage so i've not watched it but i guess there are a lot of cameos in it That's uh, true, yeah. curb your enthusiasm is one of those shows that people keep saying it's one of the greatest shows ever but i just can't bring myself to watch it for some reason but i have watched 30 rock so now that's really but they had a lot of cameos on 30 rock same yeah lot. i think these are shows which have a lot of cameos so it doesn't lot really of help cameos. a lot of celebrity cameos so these are people playing themselves which was what yeah. the, uh, i just described for this particular person as well entertainment industry person who's not a singer not a an actor nope okay Let me give you a few more movies. I actually intentionally left out some movies, but I'm going to give you those movies now that this person has been in, and uh, hopefully this will get you to the answer. The movies are Gangs of New York, The Aviator. Wait, is this Martin Scorsese? Martin Scorsese is the right answer. Yes, it is. Martin Scorsese played Vincent Van Gogh in a Kurosawa movie. 
just that sentence is insane right just saying that sentence exactly. is so insane and this is an actual thing that has happened akira kurosawa d- directed a film which had bunch of anth- uh, short of films based off of his dreams in one of those dreams there is a story which involves vincent van gogh also a, a great artist of his own time and that was played by martin scorsese i just feel like i would feel like ad, you know mad libs where you just have to fill in random things into yeah blank spaces this is an actual wow. thing that has happened <laughs> so the crows in the title refer to his eyebrows then i'm guessing <laughs> interestingly enough i've seen stills i've not seen the movie i want to watch it sometime soon but i saw some uh, stills from the movie and the eyebrows aren't even like hidden or anything they very much <laughs> seem to be a part of van gogh's uh, face now so <laughs> i can i wow. I, I can now see why he was casted once you see those pictures you can see why he was casted he kind of fits the bill okay that that was a great great question a huh? really good question okay following our theme of the arts i'm going moving into literature samuel beckett author and playwright uh, someone i'm hopefully you are you're familiar with yes waiting for godot yes Samuel Beckett learned that he had received the 1969 Nobel Prize in Literature via a telegram from his publisher which read Dear Sam and Suzanne in spite of everything they've given you the Nobel Prize I advise you to go into hiding The reclusive couple were concerned as they anticipated a spike in publicity and people trying to reach them and they were right Subsequently when Swedish television called him for an interview he agreed only with an absurd requirement accomplishing both the channel's desire to have him for an interview and his own not to give one what was the requirement oh interesting so i'm going to just uh, precede the question yeah. for uh, for the audience again samuel beckett Please. famously reclusive author and playwright uh, came to know that he had learned, he had won the nobel prize he was not particularly interested in giving interviews and other things and so subsequently when swedish television called him for an interview he agreed to give the interview but only with an absurd requirement this accomplished both the channel's desire to have him for an interview and also accomplished his own desire not to give an interview what was the uh, requirement that samuel beckett had put forward i think he chose not to speak during the entire interview Yes so technically the interviewer couldn't ask any questions it is a silent interview <laughs> <laughs> Oh that's so funny wait so how does that work the the best part of it it's available on youtube and <laughs> it looks like some kind of avant-garde horror movie where it's just silent the camera's panning through houses and flowers and then you have becket just standing there not even looking at the camera and he's got this really crinkled craggly face you know something with a lot of mileage on it and the camera just you know passes part you know to the side of his face captures him in another angle from another angle from another location of the house it's like a one and a half minutes of just pure weirdness it's a silent interview literally a silent interview that's insane that's really funny <laughs> okay This wasn't part of my questions for today but your question has inspired this. Okay. So you spoke about an author receiving an award. Mhm. I'm going to uh, talk about a singer who also received an academy award. This particular singer 
did not expect to be winning the award for the best original song in 2003 in the 2003 oscars the singer won the best original song in fact it was such an unexpected win that this person slept through the ceremony at their home and wasn't there to accept the statue okay in an interview many years later the person has said i think i was just at home with my daughter and i didn't watch it either at that point in time she had to be at school early in the morning so i was probably sleeping so there was probably found out the next day that they had won so who is this person that i speak of who won the 2003 oscar for best original song 2003 oscars that's 20 years ago hmm eric clapton no no and this is somebody famous right obviously obviously i, I would have heard of this person uh, absolutely eminem's win came much later right let me not prolong a misery it is eminem <laughs> eminem is the right answer <laughs> okay okay because i was i the when you the, the clue was the, the when you said daughter has to go to school you know and uh, how many you know fathers will actually you know especially from the entertainment industry want to miss an oscar for uh, something like this so i was trying to think of famous fathers uh, i was trying mm-hmm. to attack the question from that way and then haley obviously we, like everybody who listens to eminem knows haley so okay so this is i think eminem you lose yourself it is lose yourself from 8 mile it is the okay. first rap song that won an oscar best original song award which is why it was such an unexpected victory interestingly 17 years later in 2020 eminem performed at the academy awards lose yourself and it is one of those iconic performances live performances he did, did it to make up for his absence 17 years ago and wow. uh, that is the history of lose yourself at the oscars yeah inspired by your question just now <laughs> okay uh, just a small piece of trivia um, this is not my official question so don't count it but do you know who won the first ever uh, hip hop uh, grammy first ever hip hop grammy i would expect this is somebody totally out of the blue out of the left field i don't know not particularly he is known for this he is known oh, for being yeah. a rapper as well so i would i don't know it would be very surprising if it was in the 90s only that somebody won it but if it is in the 90s It was 1989. Tupac? No. The first ever rap Grammy. Dr. Dre? No, not not Dr. Dre. You can practically let me just uh, say this up front. You can forget everybody from both the East Coast and the West Coast crews. <laughs> this guy didn't belong to either of them. Oh no. Okay. So it's not Puffy Sean Puffy Combs, it's not uh, you know Snoop Dogg, it's none of these people. So. Jordan It was part of a duo. A duo won it. It wasn't like one single person won it. The duo won it. I, if I tell you the uh, the partner, there are two people in that. One person is extremely famous, and the other one uh, known to a little, uh, you know, to those who listen to hip hop and rap, and especially the early nineties hip hop and rap. So I'll give you the name of the less famous person, uh, the two, or the less famous person from the duo, and you have to tell me the more famous person. The less okay. uh, the lesser known person is DJ Jazzy Jeff. <laughs> that does not help me at all i guess i have not <laughs> encountered this name before 
Uh, wow. No, I have no clue whatsoever. And since this is not an official question, I won't ask you for clues. So just tell me what the answer is. <laughs> so this is okay. This is from for the song called "Parents Just Don't Understand." Okay. And it was the second single from the duo DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Oh no way! Really, Will Smith? Yes. Will Smith won the first ever rap Grammy in 1989. Interesting. I mean, yeah. Now that, that launched his that career. He is known for uh, hip hop. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So That's that was my unofficial thing. question. I managed to sneak one in. <laughs> so now to my <laughs> official question. Maybe you know this. Maybe you don't. But maybe you can guess. So Trini Woodall is an English fashion advisor and designer. Okay. Uh, she was also a television presenter and author who was at a time not not currently but at the time was seeing charles sachi the ex husband of famous celebrity chef nigella lawson uh, nigella and trini got into an online spat after trini made some uh, remarks which would uh, which were construed to have been having mocked nigella online soon after nigella lawson tweeted her 560,000 Twitter followers with a hashtag recipe of the day. She tweeted a recipe with the caption, do I need to say anything more? This was the reply to uh, Trinity, uh, Trini Woodall's, you know, quote unquote mocking of her on an online blog. What was the recipe? Which famous dish was this? Uh, which famous dish or which famous recipe did she, uh, you know, tweet out? Uh, I feel like I've read this specific trivia, <laughs> but I cannot for my life remember what uh, this is. No, what is the any any clues? It's an Italian uh, dish. It's a very famous Italian dish. The chances are you may even have had it at uh, some point on in your life. I wouldn't say that it's very common in India. I don't think I've ever seen it on any hmm. any menu that I've seen anyway. But that's a very uh, limited sampling, but still, it's quite famous. So not not the most famous of the Italian dishes, but famous enough. It is famous okay. enough. I mean, like it's famous internationally. But I'm saying in India, maybe not so much. Is it a pun of sorts? No, the technique. No, not a pun. Actually, the literal translation itself is uh, what uh, Nigella was looking at. I'm guessing the literal translation oh. of the name of the dish. Oh boy, I think we'll have to mark this episode as explicit because I'm going to use some expletives. Uh, <laughs> is it something to do with the the B word? Was 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 she referring to her by... No, a, no. I, I just think of dishes. Quote. Just think okay. of dishes. If Italian pasta dishes. No, that's which... what I'm trying to think because I can't think of any dish which has any insult in the name. I'm trying to think if these are the insults that are like, like a, a, a bitchy spaghetti. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no it's not a bitchy spaghetti it's a spaghetti dish uh, nonetheless oh, okay okay i'll shall, shall i give you the literal translation of the name and then let me see if you can give me the, the name of the dish so the literal okay. translation the one that uh, uh, nigella had put forward later in a follow-up tweet or i think it was in the same tweet or the follow-up tweet she had put the translation as sluts spaghetti. Oh. Okay, but sluts the actual spaghetti. more yeah, but the actual more uh, 
um, you know, accurate translation would be in the style of the whore. So it will be spaghetti in the style of the whore. Okay, so like a spaghetti a la something. Whatever yes, the yes, word the, for exactly, for exactly, yes, yeah. Oh, man, you may have heard no this idea. in more in context of Spanish rather than Italian, even though the word has the same root. Oh, this really will have to be marked as expl- uh, explicit because I'm. <laughs> is it puta? Yes, so it is. is oh, okay. That's the only <laughs> word that came to mind when he said Spanish. Okay. Yes, yeah, so it is spaghetti alla putanesca, which ah, she's okay, which she okay. gave the translation as slut spaghetti. also known or more accurately known as spaghetti in the style of the whore it's a, a, a dish from naples wow <laughs> <laughs> i i have not had this but now i'm curious i'll probably make myself some one of these days <laughs> okay all right fun okay your question please okay so this question actually doesn't have to do with anything so far so there's no pivot but it does have to do with something that we spoke about many episodes ago and that is one of my favorite moments from our series so far and uh, that moment okay. was when we were discussing with Sai on the special episode that he appeared in and i mentioned a phenomenal new york times headline uh which had to do with some research about eels and how they digest yes food. i remember I, i can't remember the pun exactly but yes i remember what you're talking about yeah um which is of course a pun on the song so if you haven't heard please go listen to that episode but uh, this is this is not a new york times headline this is a bbc headline this time so let me just describe what happened and then you can tell me what the headline could have potentially been okay so okay. the british ministry of defense launched an investigation after emails containing classified information was sent to a close ally of russia in a typing error this is from 28th of july so not even that long ago there was a typing error and a bunch of emails were sent to a close ally of russia and there was a investigation launched because of that now these emails were intended for the us military which uses the domain name .mil okay. there was a typo in that and it ended up with the wrong country basically so two parter what firstly a who did they end up with and okay. b what was the bbc headline that covered this particular news so this is a a country which is uh, friendly to russia yes um, is it moldova m i l to m o l or something like that that's a great starting guess but no uh, i will give you the continent it is in africa it's in africa first country that comes to mind is mozambique but i don't know how that could be uh, typed wrong so it's not mozambique there are a bunch of african countries with starting with the letter l so m sorry starting with the letter m okay was that a freudian slip <laughs> no uh, it's not libya or anything that no right it's not not it's mm. oh no no it is it starts with the letter m it just starts with the letter m it starts with the letter I, oh god no yeah I am my uh, for the life of me I can't remember which else uh, starts with M. I'm trying to go through African countries one by one in my head. Uh, okay, uh does western Africa make it slightly easier? No, not particularly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Un- okay, Mali, then it would be Mali. Hey, bang on target. It is Mali and you were right it was a Freudian slip because <laughs> um <laughs> the the domain name for Mali is .ml. M- 
and okay. when they were sending out the email instead of .mil which would have sent it to the US military they missed out the i and it went to the west african nation of mali okay. now the second part of the question which is the fun part what was the headline that bbc had when they were covering this news i am you are the i mean like let, let me just confess to the audience right now i am very poor with puns aditya is the pun guru in our uh, little duo so this is basically torture for me <laughs> okay i guess that's why this um, this trivia appeals to me <laughs> <laughs> no i i enjoy a good pun it's just i can't craft any of them no, nothing springing okay. to mind let me give you uh, let me give you a hint let me give you a hint it is okay the name of a famous 90s movie it's a pun on the name of a famous 90s movie the famous 90s movie you've got mail yes so it'll be you've got mil no you got ml or no you've got mali <laughs> you got mali <laughs> <laughs> okay nice nice so let me go uh, from you know europe and africa to asia with the suppression of the samurai caste the knowledge of masters of different martial arts were pooled within committees and gave birth in the 1930s to a new modern practice taihojutsu which corresponded to the martial arts taihojutsu incorporates the techniques of wrist control arm control posture and immobilization traditionally found in other martial arts the objective of taihojutsu is the smooth apprehension of an individual and does not take into account the safety of the opponent it provides its practitioner with a calmer than average mind whose brain will resist the rise of stress and, adren- uh, and adrenaline typical of any violent situation the very simple question who was taihojutsu developed for interesting let me just clarify by who i don't mean like one specific person it's like more of a group can you describe taihojutsu again you said wrist so, uh, yet incorporates the techniques of wrist control arm control posture and immobilization people who are who use a wheelchair no this is a little more general and easier actually there's a clue in the question itself i'll uh, read that portion again which should practically give away the answer the objective of taihojutsu is the smooth apprehension of an individual and does not take into account the safety of the opponent oh does not take into account safety of the opponent so it's an inanimate object that you're fighting no we are still talking about people taihojutsu right. was developed specifically for a group of a specific group okay so sorry when you say specific group is it to fight a specific group of people or is it for the specific no for group a specific group yeah yeah say, say say in a way like i would say that krav maga was developed for the israeli defense forces okay i'm going to read the portion again uh, i think you focused on the wrong section last time when i read the clue so then i'm going to say it again the objective of taihojutsu is the smooth apprehension of an individual and does not take into account the safety of the opponent the smooth apprehension of the individual smooth apprehension of the individual so for the the tokyo police it is the japanese police yes they oh, have their own oh, set okay, of martial wow. arts just like the military so i found it very interesting that i i don't think any other uh, police force uh, has mm. a martial arts uh, you know discipline specifically developed for them 
and what's terrifying is that it does not take into account the safety of the opponent which it's means that the policeman scary. has to just apprehend somebody and uh, if they break a leg yeah oof police brutality Hard is life. a real thing everywhere <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh that i think is the last question for the day we do not have any more time aditya before i go to my audience questions answer what is your question for this week <clears throat> i will just bounce off of the last idea that uh, i will just go off of the last question that you asked and uh, my question is if there was a technique developed for delhi police what would that be called <laughs> and that is hopefully a answer which will not get us into trouble and you will find out next week yes so that uh, was aditya's question and i am now going back to our uh, audience question which i had asked that during the colonial period when the english traveled to india as workers of the east india company or as the servants of the british empire most of them used to travel alone this meant that they acquired a taste for indian food which then they modified to suit their tastes later due to a famous global and geopolitical development uh, british mame sahibs also started arriving in india which meant that indian food was now replaced by regular english roasts and pies at the british table what development brought about this change so uh, let me put it to aditya first do you have any hmm. idea what could be this this is a little roundabout question because i usually ask something very simple for the audience questions i decided to make them a little more challenging hmm no it's a great question and obviously i have no answer straight off the bat but i'm trying to think of various domains that so first instinct is to say travel became easier but i'm steamships were there before that i imagine oh you have reached the right uh, domain uh, you okay. are basically right the travel became easier but then what could have made the travel easier that's exactly what i was trying to think of what made the oh is it uh, is it the suez canal yes it is the suez canal so the oh, british okay. did not usually bring their wives with them because you know they had to travel practically the almost the whole coastline of africa mm-hmm. once the suez canal opened uh, they were able to bring their spouses and you know other uh members of their fam the female members of their family because the 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 trip was shortened by quite a bit and once they came in they kind of you know took over and uh, made uh, brought england to india very cool very cool it i believe the the dish ishtu also has some origin from that right so ishtu uh, is actually a bastardization of stew so the irish yeah. stew which is usually made with potatoes and uh, carrots and mm. vegetables like that so that is uh, the origin of ishtu molugatani soup is comes from the tamil molugatanni which literally translates to uh, chili water mm okay that's all for this episode thank you for listening in we hope you enjoyed the show and heard learned something new if you like what you heard please consider subscribing to our podcast and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast platform It helps us reach a wider audience, allows more people to discover and enjoy the show. We'd also love to hear from you. Feedback, suggestions, trivia. You can reach us on Instagram at are you quizzing me. We appreciate your support and look forward to sharing more episodes with you in the future. Aditya, fact checker general, will be back after the sting, after the musical sting, with our fact check for this episode. Thanks again for tuning in. Have a great day. See you guys next week.
And here's the fact check for the episode. Martin Scorsese appeared in Shark Tale and The Aviator in voiceover roles. Under the current president, Maya Sands, since 2020, Moldova has been more pro-EU and NATO than pro-Russia. And that's all for the fact check.